Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. God himself will at times lead us into the storm. Now, when that happens, of course, the first thing we think is, well, the last thing we think is God's leading us into the storm. We think somehow God's abandoned us. We think somehow God doesn't care for us. We rarely ever think, well, the Lord has led me into this for a bigger purpose, for a good reason. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, in a message titled, Jesus and the Storm. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Mark records this story for us here about this sudden storm that came down upon Jesus and the disciples. Uh, Remember that Mark is Peter's stenographer. So this is a firsthand account. Peter was there. And he's communicating that to Mark. And of course, not only was Peter there, Peter lived there. This was Peter's life. Peter was a fisherman on this very sea. So when we you know, think about those components, it becomes quite interesting because we're getting that, that firsthand perspective. Now, the story records the events surrounding this literal storm, but there's something behind this message that, that goes beyond just, just those immediate events and speaks to us today. And, and that is quite often the case with Scripture. You know, much of the Bible is a historical narrative. Much of the Bible is just history, telling us about things that happen, but of course, it's not written just so we could have a record of the past. It is written to teach us things today. And, and of course, every generation of Christians. Uh, as a matter of fact, Paul, on two occasions, he states that in his writings. He said to the Corinthians, he said the things that happened to the children of Israel happened as examples to us that we could learn. And then in writing to the church in Rome, he said, the things that were written before were written for our learning. And so as we look at the story, beside the, the record of the literal historical event, there's a message that is intended to teach us about who Jesus is and what we can expect him to do when we find ourselves caught you know, not necessarily in a literal storm, but in the storms of life that we all will pass through at some time or another. So we're going to come to that in just a moment. But before we go there, I want to just look at a couple of things. Number one, it's, I always like to, when the opportunity arises to slip in something that's a bit apologetic. Apologetic in the sense that, you know, something that 
will help us fend off the skepticism that we so often find when it comes to Scripture. You know, we live in a time, of course, where there's much skepticism regarding the Bible. And, you know, many people, of course, in the culture would say, oh, you know, the Bible is just mythology. It, it, you know, it was written by men. It, it, can't, it can't be trusted as any kind of a serious guide for life, things like that. And, and yet, interestingly, you know, sometimes the incidental things in a text those incidental things are really an argument for the truthfulness of what is being declared. And scholars have recognized this to be the case. So in the story, Mark tells us a couple of things that it just seemed like, you know, okay, why did you say that? For example, in the story, we read that when they set out to cross the lake, that there were other little boats also that set out to cross the lake. And then we're also told that as they were crossing, Jesus fell asleep in the stern of the boat. Now, if you think about it, those do not do anything to enhance the storyline or to develop characters. You know, they're, they're sort of, like I said, they're sort of just these incidental comments. It's like, why bother? Now, fiction writers today will often do these kinds of things because they're trying to make their fiction like nonfiction. But in the ancient world, they didn't do that. In the ancient world, they would not include these incidental things. And so the fact that they're there it really just supports that these were the, the true, you know, remembrances of the people who participated in the event. And in other words, they didn't make these things up. If they were making up a story, they wouldn't have put this in it. Doesn't really add to the story. So just the, these incidental things, and this is just one example. You can find many places in the Gospels where you think if, now if somebody sat down to write something that they were trying to convince people that they ought to believe, but it was really just a myth. There are so many things that don't make sense if that was the intention. And it's these incidental kinds of things. So that's just, just another thing. You know, since we live in such a, a culture of skepticism, I think it's good to have as much as we can have in our arsenal, if you will, as we have these opportunities sometimes to respond to people's criticisms and their skepticisms and so forth. So, so just keep that in mind and even think about that as you're reading through the biblical passages. Again, if, if these things didn't really happen, it doesn't make sense that they were put there. So that's one thing that I wanted us to see before we jump into looking at the, the main point of the, the message today. But the second thing has to do with just some details about the Sea of Galilee. Now, once again, in our skeptical environment, people have read this story and said, you know, this has got to be a myth because there's no way a storm like this could have taken place on the Sea of Galilee because the Sea of Galilee is really a lake more than a sea. 
Now, it's, it's funny because um, different people and, and, you know, in different geographical regions will refer to bodies of water in different ways. But this really is a, a lake as, as far as we would be concerned. So this Sea of Galilee, the, this lake, it, it's actually in one place in Scripture, it's called the Lake of Gennesaret. It is about eight miles across at its widest point, and it's 13 miles long. So, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a tiny lake, but it's not a, a, a huge lake either. It, you know, it's a good-sized body of water. An interesting thing about this body of water is that this is the lowest freshwater body on the earth. The Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level. It's the lowest fresh uh, body of water on the earth. Uh, The only thing lower is the Dead Sea, which is about twice that, 1,412 feet below sea level. And of course, the uh, the Sea of Galilee through the Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea. So it's, it's at this extremely low elevation, and because it's 700 feet below sea level, and because of the surrounding uh, mountainous area there, and because it's in the Jordan Valley Rift, there are times when you will have hurricane-force winds that come through there. So all of that to say... Once again, even though the skeptics would say, oh, that, that never could have happened. I mean, come on, have you seen that thing? That's a lake. There's no boat that's ever going to be in danger of, of sinking on a body of water like that. Well, if you know the facts behind the topography and so forth, you know that it's not only could have happened, it still happens today. So with that in mind... Let's just consider now the story. So take note of this because we're going to come back to this in a moment. When evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And so they had left the multitude. They took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were there with him also. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Now, remember, the men in this boat, at least half of them, we don't know if if all 12 were in the boat at this point, but let's just say they were. At least half of these men in this boat, they were seasoned fishermen who had grown up on this very body of water. This was their life. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, this was their life. So they had seemingly seen it all. But, but this was something that was beyond anything they had ever seen, anything they had ever experienced. And they were, they were fearful for their lives at this point. So this is a deadly and a terrifying storm that they find themselves in. Now, that was then... And so today, of course, we just, as we journey through life, even as Christians, we can find that life will be met with storms at times. You know, Christians are not 
exempt from trouble. Jesus made that clear. He said, in the world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, that's what Jesus said. And of course, as you follow the life and ministry, if you will, of those early followers of Jesus through the book of Acts or into the early history of the church or all the way through down to today, you find that this is indeed a fact. God's people are not exempt from trouble. We have things that come our way just like everybody else. We have health problems like other people do. We have family crisis. We have financial challenges and difficulties. These are all things that are part of life. And of course, with just sickness, you know, cancer and things of that nature, we're not exempt from those things, right? We're not. Those are storms. And we all, at some time or another, will face some of these different storms. Not only are we not exempted by God from storms, sometimes he actually leads us into them. And that's really what we see here in the passage. Because remember what it says, Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. Now, I believe that Jesus knew full well what awaited them once they got out on the sea. Jesus, of course, is a man, but he's also God. He has knowledge of things that are going to happen. And, and I don't think it was any surprise to Jesus that they suddenly found themselves in this storm. I think it was very intentional on his part to, to set out on this journey across the sea, knowing that this was going to overtake them. And the point is, God himself will at times lead us into the storm. Now, when that happens, of course, the first thing we think is, well, the last thing we think is God's leading us into the storm. We think somehow God's abandoned us. We think somehow God doesn't care for us. And like the disciples themselves, they said, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? And sometimes we think that, right? We rarely ever think, well, the Lord has led me into this for a bigger purpose, for a good reason. But as we go on with the story, we will see that that is indeed the case. Sometimes the Lord leads us into storms, and we'll come back in a moment and look at why he might do that. But look with me for a moment also at the disciples themselves and their reaction to this and then um, the response of Jesus to them. So Jesus has... You know, as we read here, he's uh, in the stern. He's asleep on a pillow. They woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and peace be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, I I love the way Jesus responded to them here because, you know, I don't think Jesus was necessarily scolding them at this point. I think he was really more like saying, like, come on, what's the matter with you guys? I'm here. I'm in the boat. It's me. In other words, it's like, how come you're not trusting me? Why, Why are you so afraid? 
I'm, I'm with you. But they were indeed fearful and obviously their faith was weak. And, and you know, think about it. They had already seen Jesus do so many extraordinary things. They had seen Jesus do things that no human being had ever done. And they were in the process of, of really you know, embracing his messiahship, but, but obviously they still did not get it. And then as we see, as Jesus does deal with the situation, it says, and they feared exceedingly. So they were more afraid of Jesus in the end than they were of the storm. Interesting, but that's actually a good place to be. The Bible says to fear God. And when the Bible talks about fearing God, it's talking about having this, this just healthy reverence for, for the greatness of who God is. But we'll come back to that. Look with me at Jesus. So we see Jesus in the story. And the first thing we see here is that he is asleep I mean, these guys are thinking the, the ship's going down. We're all going to die, and Jesus is asleep. How does that work? Jesus might have been really tired. He probably was. He was the one that did all the work. But I think the other thing is that Jesus was just resting and confident in the Father's plan and purpose. That, that even though this storm has come, he knows that God's got a plan, and, and this storm is not going to be the end of the story. So he's resting. He, he's trusting. He's doing the thing that if they really understood who he was, he's doing the thing that they could have done as well. They could have just taken a nap and figured, oh, you know, we'll, we'll be okay. So that's the first thing Jesus is doing. But the second thing, notice, it says that he, when they awoke him, it says he rebuked the wind, and the sea. He said, peace be still, and a great calm immediately descended on the lake. What is Jesus doing here? Jesus is really showing his true identity. He's revealing to them through this act his, his divinity. You know, in the, in the ancient world, the ancients believed that the sea was untamable except by God. Now, we know today the sea is untamable. <laughs> Nobody can tame the sea, right? We live in a more scientific kind of an age, I guess, where people wouldn't even consider that God could tame the sea. But the sea's still the same. If you've been, ever been out in a rough sea, you know it is pretty scary. And you know that there's not anybody that is going to deal with that. And so the ancients had the right understanding. Only God can deal with this. So as Jesus does this very thing, as Jesus deals with this, they would see in him that divinity. So he's, he's revealing that here. But I want you to see what Jesus does. He, first of all, he says to the wind, peace be still. So the wind stops. But then immediately, there is a great calm that comes upon the sea. Now, if you know anything about waves and the surf and 
you know, that, that sort of thing. You know, the wind is what causes waves to kick up. And, you know, sometimes it's the winds really, really far away that's creating swells that make their way to the shore and bless surfers <laughs> the joy of riding those waves. But, you know, what can happen is, you know, the wind, the wind can blow really hard. The wind generally dies down in the evenings, but sometimes it'll blow you know, even late into the night. And when it does that, if you've had a really stormy sea, even though the wind has stopped maybe hours earlier, the sea doesn't really settle and calm down immediately. Sometimes it takes quite a while. So being a surfer, I've had those times where, you know, the wind would be blowing hard one day and it would blow into the evening, but you're, you're hopeful that, okay, the next morning it's going to be smooth, it's going to be glassy, it's going to be good, and you go down and you see it's all stormy and bumpy, and you're like, oh, man, what? You know, the, so the wind died down, but the sea was still stirred up. In the case with Jesus, and when you think about what the sea must have looked like for these guys to think that their, their boat's going to go under, and by the way, the boat that they were in was probably at least 30 feet long. So... You know, it's a boat that, that's not easily going to be sinking, but nevertheless, for them, you know, they're sure that, it, that, it, that it's going to sink. But what Jesus does here, back to my point, what Jesus does here is he doesn't just stop the wind, but he brings an immediate calm to the sea. So it wasn't just simply the wind stopped and then, you know, a couple hours later, everything was smooth again. No, it was the wind stopped and everything became sheet glass. You ever see the surface of, a, of the water? We call it glassy because it's like glass. You can like see your face in it. That's what happened. So there's a great calm. And as a result of this, these guys were suddenly more fearful of Jesus than they were of the storm. And they said, who can this be? that even the wind and the waves obey him. So, you know, they, they thought they knew who he was, but they really didn't know who he was. But they were beginning to realize who he was at this point. And, and listen, like I said, we all go through storms. And the important thing in the storm is to remember who Jesus is. Let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So, Brian, a lot of people don't know this about you, that you actually love the Elisa Childers podcast. Yes, I do. And Elisa Childers on there, she deals with some of the issues of our time, especially those who are involved with kind of progressive Christianity or taking Christianity in a non-gospel direction. Yes, and her podcast is fantastic, and she has written a book, and the book is called Another Gospel. And yes, progressive Christianity is essentially a Christianity that wants to have the kingdom without the king. They want to leave the hard truths out of the biblical narrative and just sort of have a, 
watered-down kind of a Christianity for today. But they're very persistent and wanting to push this on others as well. So Elisa had an experience in a church where she was subjected to this presentation of progressive Christianity, which caused her to really dig down deep and reestablish her own roots in the faith and then have a passion to talk about this issue. And so she ended up writing this great book called Another Gospel that I would highly recommend. It's going to give you like the up to the moment issues that are being talked about in churches around the country today. And so I highly recommend it. So that's Another Gospel by Elisa Childers with a forward by Lee Strobel. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. You can order the book Another Gospel by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Another Gospel by Elisa Childers to help you wrestle with the idea of progressive Christianity. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.